How's everybody doing? <laughs> um, I will echo what, what my wife said about, um, you know, just, again, everybody doing their part. That's, that's the Christian life, right? I think we need to, to, to come to a place where we don't look at ourselves as so minuscule, Right? Sometimes we have we have such a, a, a unreal uh, perspective of who we are. We think so little of ourselves, and uh, we, we some people call that being humble. <laughs> that's that's false humility. <laughs> True humility is is understanding. You know, yeah, it's God who's in control. It's, it's the Lord who 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 does the, the the good work in and through us. But but to to be humble is not to say, oh, I, I you know, I, I can't do it. I can't do it, and think that um, we don't have uh, effect in this world. That we can't affect change with our lives. And um, you know, last week I didn't get a chance to to say hi to the young man, and uh, I was kind of kicking myself about that as I left. But um, I I, I want to. Um, I want to share real quick before I get into the message. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's here today, but I do want to. I want to shout out Landon. I want to shout out little Landon. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed that, but last week, and I and I messaged his dad uh, during the week. I messaged Brian. I said, "Man, your boy, he 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 he's on the right track," you know. Um, and, and I say that because he's being obedient. I don't know if any of y'all noticed, but there was a diff- There was a new young man that was here last week. And I had never seen him before. And his parents weren't here. And I caught wind of it. I was like, oh, well, Landon invited this young man to church. And uh, it made me think of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love in faith and purity. How old is Landon? 12. He's 12 years old. He's 12 years old. You know, and, and I said a couple, I said about a month back, I said, this is a challenge to the church. I said, I challenge you. There's three months left in the year. I said, invite three people, <laughs> invite three people for the next three months. This isn't a guilt trip. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you that this young man who's 12 years old, who just got baptized not too long ago and professed Christ. And I'm sure he didn't give a three point sermon to, to the young man who came to church he just said, hey, man, you want to come to the church house? You know what I'm saying? He wasn't ashamed of Christ. He wasn't all timid. He wasn't all scared. He, didn't, he wasn't in it trying to figure out what am I going to say? How am I going to say? What's he going to think of me? You see, as a young child, you don't think like that. And I was just super encouraged because here's this young man, 12 years old, and he invited somebody and somebody came. You know, for us older folks, I think that's a, that's a, that's an encouragement for us to get out of our comfort zone and look in our sphere of influence and see who can you invite to the church house. God bless you for our you know our our, our visitor this morning you know and and what I'm saying is it's the Lord who brings people right it's the Lord who 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 draws people to His house. You're not here by happenstance. You're not here because you just happen to pop in. When we come to the house of the Lord, it's because the Holy Spirit of God, the one and true living God, is drawing you to Himself. And we want to be those who are conduits for Jesus Christ. And so in order to do that, we need to step out of our comfort zones, just like Landon. And, and we got to rub shoulders with people and, and we, we need not be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? Amen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit has to say to the churches. All right. This morning we're uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter five and, and, and we're, we're going we're going at a, at a nice steady pace, you know, at a pace that the, the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart to 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 to, you know, guide us uh, through. But we're only going through three verses. But you know how it goes. Three verses can go a long way. So uh, when you get uh, if you get there, can you please turn to Ecclesiastes chapter five? We'll be going through verses 13 down through 17. Um, if you have a Bible, look it up on your Bible. If you have it on your phone, look it up on your phone. If you don't, um, Lord willing, these slides are going to stay up the whole time. Um, and and the, the scripture will be behind me if you don't have a Bible. Um, when you get there, if you can, please stand for the reading of God's word. Um, this message is entitled The Vanity of Wealth and Honor Part 2. This is a two-part series, actually a three-part series uh, I'll go ahead and read our text this morning. We'll pray, and then we'll get into uh, the bulk of the message. 
So it says, starting in verse 13, there is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came in, so shall he go. And what gain is it there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness in much, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your insight. We thank you for the privilege of, of giving us your Holy Scripture that, that, that guides us, that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, you, you show us beforehand what, what to sidestep so we can not have to go through unnecessary pain and trouble. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would illuminate our, our, our souls this morning, that you would bless us with your anointing. May the Holy Spirit fill us fresh with himself and empty us of ourselves. Help us to focus in on the text. Help us to understand what the scripture says. Help us to see where Jesus is prevalent in the scripture and how Jesus is the only one that can truly fulfill us. May we just know and rightly divide your word. Give us the ability to apply it to our lives so that when we leave this building, we're that much better and we're able to spot a fake when we see it and able to discern the truth when it's there. God bless you. And, and, and that we're able to live a life that's, that's pleasing to you. So again, Father, we thank you and we praise you. You receive all honor and glory, the only one who it should be bestowed upon. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. All right. So last week, church, just a little quick recap, we learned about how many times authority, unfortunately, in the world we live in, because it's a, a fallen world, a, a world that's, that's been marred by sin, authority many times is abused in this world, and that we need to be mindful of how we all use the authority that God has granted us. I know that the text specified uh, about bureaucracies and, and government abuse of, of authority, but, but in every sphere of influence, there is authority. And even in your sphere of influence, you, again, you may think, well, who am I? What authority do I have? Trust me, everyone in this room has some form of authority, and we need to be mindful of how we use it because God has granted us influence in some capacity. We also were reminded that we are to use our, our, our authority to benefit for the benefit of others so that people may live in peace. That, that's the whole reason why, why God allowed kings to rule and the hierarchy to be the way it was. He put men in power so that the, the common people could live in peace. That was the whole purpose behind it, not merely to satisfy men and women's selfish desires. When we, when we gratify our flesh and satisfy our selfish desires outside of what the Lord has allotted us, that's when the abuse of authority takes place. Because remember, the rich get rich and the poor get poor. Ultimately, all in authority must answer to God. The President of the United States, he's got to answer to God. Gavin Newsom's got to answer to God. Pray for Gavin Newsom. Don't talk bad about Gavin Newsom. Pray for him. We wonder why things don't change and we badmouth this politician and that person and this person and that person. Pray for them. What does the Bible say? Pray for your enemies. Right. Is that that's what the Lord says. He says, don't spite them. He says, if someone if someone slaps you on the cheek, give them the other cheek. Not not. Oh, I'm going to get back at you. No, I'm going to take out my aggression. No, I'm going to have vengeance. What does the Bible say? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Let the Lord handle the matter. Uh, you know, Mark was bringing up in prayer before, you know, the Lord's going to handle everything with Hamas. The Lord's going to handle everything with the Middle East. That's why, you know, when, 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 when these things come up, I'm like, Lord, <laughs> he leads me to just pray for these people. Pray for the Palestinians that don't want to be under that regime. Yes, obviously we pray for Israel. We pray for peace in Jerusalem. But many times they just pray about 
people pray about for Israel. It's like, what about all these other people? <laughs> what about all these Palestinians? Pray for them as well. Because God's desire is that no man perish, but that all come to repentance and find salvation in Christ alone. We also looked at last week how loving money, <laughs> loving money will never satisfy your soul. We are to love God and we are to love people, not money or material things. Nothing wrong with having things, nothing wrong with liking things. I, I, you know, I, I teach this to my children all the time. I said, don't, don't ever say you love that thing. <laughs> you say you like it. You say you like it a whole lot. Don't go saying, I love my switch. No, no, that's just not, that doesn't sit right. Love is, 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 is exclusive for God and people. Once we start talking about, I love, oh, I love my Jordans. You, you, you're on a slippery slope. <laughs> you shouldn't love an inanimate object. It cannot love you back. It cannot give you what your soul, what your innermost being desires. It can only give you momentary happiness. At best. Lastly, we learned last week that living a peaceful and quiet life is better than being rich and boastful. Now, when the Bible talks about rich, it's not it's not knocking rich people. You see, the when 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 when, when someone teaches that it's it's evil to be rich, that's not biblical. <laughs> There's plenty of, of, of people that are rich but are godly. And the Lord can can he, he he knows that they're responsible and that they're going to steward the wealth that He's allowed them to obtain in the right manner. But the Bible is is very clear that it's better to live a peaceful and quiet life rather than being rich, unsaved, and boastful. When all you're living for is your money, that's not a good thing. You're better off having barely any money but living in peace and in quiet. That is such a better life. That is a better quality of life. So many people think, oh, if I have so much money, I'll just, I'll be happy because I'll, I'll be able to, to own my home and I'll be able to pay off the mortgage and I'll be able to send my kids to college. But do you, do you understand that, that money will never provide what you really need in the first place? If you're looking at money in that kind of way, you're looking from a very skewed perspective and it will come back and bite you in the end even if you have all the money in the world. You see, the laborers in Christ sleep soundly with peace while the unsaved rich man or woman is plagued with many anxieties and they don't sleep well. They're stressed out over their money. They're stressed out if they have enough. They're stressed out of what's going to happen to their investments. They're stressed out on how they're going to obtain it. They're stressed out on how they're going to get more. But a common laborer who saved sleeps soundly. Have you ever noticed when you work a hard, honest day's work, you sleep good, don't you? You're like, man, I'm tired, man. <laughs> I need to go to sleep. Bro, you ain't struggling with your sleep when you work a hard, solid day. But when you're getting money in an ill-gotten way, and even though you have it bulging out of your pockets, you don't sleep. Many times, some people, they just take, you know, other substances to keep them going because they cannot sleep. At any rate, we have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. Again, remember, this is part two moving forward from what we just t touched on last week. So it's going to uh, run congruent with what you heard last week if you were here. Hoarding wealth is self-destructive. That's the first main point. Hoarding wealth is self-destructive. It will destroy you in the end if it goes unchecked. You see, hoarders refuse to face the reality of death. They're running from it. You see, sometimes, even in the church house, death is something that some pastors want to shy away from. They don't want to talk about it because, oh, it's going to make the congregation uncomfortable. I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to just speak biblical truth. That's it. So 
the Holy Spirit will comfort you when he needs to comfort you. The Holy Spirit will make you uncomfortable when he needs to make you feel uncomfortable. (laughs) But hoarders refuse to face the reality of death. This evil harms not only the hoarder, but also the succeeding generation. So when you hoard, it not only affects you, it affects other people. It affects the people underneath you. Remember, we just talked about this at the beginning of this message. Every one of you have authority in your life. You have some form of authority. A visual example of this is, who's ever seen the show Hoarders? <laughs> is it A&E, Hoarders? Man, it's, it's actually very sad. It's actually a very sad show that they document uh, people that, that hoard material goods. Many times, this hoarding happens because of unresolved past hurts. And that these individuals develop over time the habit of hoarding material possessions to cope with pain. That's what's really going on here. Something happened way back when. And they haven't dealt with it. It's a pain. It's a hurt that happened. It could be a number of things that hurt them. But because they haven't dealt with it at the root source, they've developed this unhealthy habit of of obtaining stuff and keeping it. And obtaining it and keeping it. And it's a coping mechanism. The hoarder is using these material items as a security blanket to shield them from further hurt right that's how we are as people who wants to be hurt in this room nobody nobody likes pain so what do we do all throughout life all of us we're always trying to alleviate pain alleviate pain keep ourselves from pain that's what tylenol is right all tylenol does is block the the neurons in your brain and says you don't feel pain the pain's still there but you're taking a substance that's showing you oh i don't feel it When my wife had to, you know, give birth to our children, what you, the epidural. What does the epidural do? It blocks the pain so you could give birth. Y'all women that didn't use the epidural, y'all are off the hook. That's some Holy Spirit power to be able to give birth without an epidural. That's crazy. I'm so glad God made me a man. And I will never have to experience giving birth because he knew I would never be able to do it. That's why I was never made a woman. <laughs> At any rate. In the scriptures that we're looking at today, this is basically the same thing that's happening except this specific type of hoarding that the scripture is talking about explicitly has to do with money. People that are money hoarders, they hoard the money. Solomon actually called hoarding money a grievous evil. Completely opposite of how Yahweh would have you use the money that he allows you to obtain you see, someone who is amassing riches fails to realize that riches left unchecked lead to self-destruction. Like I'm talking about like you're just trying to amass it and you get immersed in it and you just want more and more and more and more. What is that old Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Uh, what, Wolf on Wall Street or something? What was that? Yeah, I mean, that, that, it's right there. If you ever seen that movie... That's what happens when the sensational appetite for money goes unchecked. It unravels you. It takes over you. It's like that um, DC comic character Venom or Marvel comic character Venom. It overtakes you. It overtakes its host. And then now you become immersed in this desire to hoard money and obtain more and more and more. And that's all you're thinking about 24-7. You're just fixed on, you know, in the, in, in, in the, in the streets, what they say. <laughs> I'm grinding. I'm grinding. I got to hustle. I got to get mine. It just becomes overwhelming to where that's all you're thinking about. And you're locked into that lifestyle, that, 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 that way of thinking. In this case, the self-destruction comes about through hoarding. Hoarding riches is typically a symptom of a warped perspective that we think we can control our circumstances. That's what a hoarder does. They're trying to control their environment. And they think that if I have this and I have this and I have this, that I'm safe and I'm in control and I'm controlling everything around me. That's what the hoarder does. In our, in our text this morning, that's what the hoarder does with wealth. If I amass all the bouillon, if I get all the gold, <laughs> because paper money's gone, remember, that's where we're at today, right? We still use paper money, but it's gone, folks. We know it's all ones and zeros in in a computer (laughs) 
right? I mean, don't kid yourself. That's where we're at. Everything's done with a little computer chip, debit card, credit card, you know? But if I could have all the gold, I, I, even, hear it on the, I even hear it on KFAX all the time. Invest in this gold IRA. I'm like, bro, I work for a nonprofit. I have a 403B. They don't allow me to do that. So where does that leave me? The Lord always shows me trust in me. Stop tripping. You think you need gold keeping? Stop it. Stop it. I'm going to take care of you. But do you see? It's, it permeates our environment. <laughs> if I could just have it, I'll be safe. The Lord clearly says, don't, 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 <laughs> don't strive to have things here. Don't strive to secure your life here. Because this, this is all going to burn away one day. It, it's where you're going to spend eternity, which makes the most importance. That's where you should invest your time and your riches. Amen. And that's not a ploy. I don't care about the offering. It's, that's not at all what I'm talking about. These people that hoard money, they believe that having a pile of money or having multiple accounts or offshore accounts. And again, if you have that, that's not, it's not an evil thing. But if you're looking for the offshore account to, 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 to be your refuge, then yes, it is evil. They think that having all these possessions will make them safe or happy. All the while declining to actually enjoy the wealth right now and do any good with it. They just hoard it. They don't even spend it. They're penny pinching. Now, we should be wise with our money. We should be wise in how we invest it. But penny pinching and not spending any at all and hoarding is a completely different thing. This is why Solomon says hoarding leads to our own hurt. James chapter 5 verse 3 says, Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. See, there's people that need. <laughs> that's, the, that's the reason why the Lord allows you and I to have resources. It's not merely for our own self-indulgence. It's so that we can be a blessing to those around us, so that we can help someone else in need. But again, when we get so locked in that we got to have it and we got to have it, we become one-track minded. We forget about all the other people around us and all we do is use it for ourselves. I say it many times from this pulpit. If you were able to get up this morning and take a, a shower, whether a warm or cold shower, you're rich. If you had a towel to dry yourself off, you're rich. If you had soap to clean your body so you washed off the dirt from yesterday, you're rich. If you had clean socks and clean underwear to put on and clean clothes, you're rich. Do you understand that the majority of the world lives off less than a dollar a day? And we're over here talking about, I got it hard. Now, granted, I know that we all have different circumstances. I'm not trying to make light of whatever, you're in, whatever situation or circumstance you're in. But we need to look at the overarching theme. Many times we're just not grateful for what we have. We overlook the, the minuscule, minute things that are, that are major blessings, that are ma major miracles in our lives. I always talk about it too. You, know, you could have an aneurysm sitting in this chair right now. The fact that your brain is working fine, the fact that you can breathe, the fact that you can cognitively think, the fact that your organs, your liver, your pancreas and all those intricate things inside you tightly woven together are working fine right now is a miracle. And it's a great miracle. It's nothing ever to boff at, balk at or scoff at. We should be so grateful for that. When you eat food, you should, you should be so grateful and praise God for the, for the taste buds that are bursting with flavor. Do you thank God when you're eating a good meal? I find myself saying, thank you, Lord. This is such a good meal. Because it's a miracle to be able to enjoy that. Many people can't enjoy a good meal. Even these wealthy, rich folks, they don't enjoy a good meal. There's bitterness within. There's no peace. There's no tranquility. They got all this money. <laughs> I'm saying those that are like that. There are rich people that do enjoy their meal, but many don't. We need to take inventory and look at all the things we have to be grateful for. Amen. The second main point is this. Naked we came into this world and naked we will leave. No one takes money with them when they die. Why, 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 why do so many people slave over material possessions only to leave them behind when they die? Solomon points out a profound truth that many people forget during the course of their lives. And that is this. 
The truth is, you can't take it with you when you die. I mean, so many people work so hard. Don't spend time with family. I get it. Got bills to pay. I understand that. But there's a difference between you got bills to pay and you're obsessing over your work to where you don't spend time with people. You're just immersed in your job. You're immersed in your profession. You spend no time with anybody. And it's for what? (laughs) Because you can't take it with you when you die. You see, the only thing you and I will take into eternity with us is our relationship with Jesus Christ or our lack of one. That's the only thing you're taking into eternity. (laughs) You either got a relationship with Christ. I didn't say you got to be perfect, but you got to have a relationship. You got to say, I am a wretched sinner. I need forgiveness. There ain't nobody else that can save my soul. (laughs) But Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, he's the only one that can save my soul. And I commit my life to you. It's either that or you dig your heels in and say, I'll take my chances and I'll go it alone. Or I'll try some other false God. You take your pick. That's all you're taking. That's all I'm taking into eternity with me. All the shoes I have, all the clothes I have. All the beats I've made, none of that's coming with me to heaven. (laughs) Unfortunately, some of that stuff's probably going to burn up. (laughs) But the reality is my relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the most important thing. And until we come to that place, our perspective is always going to be skewed. We're always going to have the wrong perspective on the overarching theme of life because we're not putting Christ where he needs to be, where he deserves to be sitting on the throne of our hearts. You see, death is a sober reminder to all of what truly is important in this life and the life to come. Our relationship with Father God through his son, Jesus Christ, and our relationships with the people who he's entrusted us to have influence with are, the, are of the utmost importance. Your sphere of influence, the people you get along with, the people you don't get along with, that's what's important. Because he's placed you strategically where you're at so you can be used to reflect the light of Jesus Christ to those around you. It's not your responsibility and you don't have the power or the authority to make somebody get saved. But you do have the responsibility and you do have the authority to share the truth in love to them so that they know. So that it don't come to a place where, bro, I've known you for like 35 years, homie, and you've never told me nothing about Jesus. You've never shared your faith. You should be the type of Christian where it's like, it ain't no question. Everybody who sees you knows that you are saved. Now, I'm not saying run around, go, go hitting people over the, the head with, with the Bible. And, 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 you know, nobody likes to know it all. So I'm not saying go quoting verses to irritate people. If you're not led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to be an irritant to people. There's a difference between people are upset because you're holy and living a righteous life. And a difference between people uh, you know, annoyed with you because you're just a bothersome. Nobody likes a bothersome Christian, you know, so be led by the Holy Spirit. But we should be those that are sharing it in love. And in many times it may not even be in your words. It's just the way you carry yourself, the way you interact with people, what you actually do. Right. Nobody cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Right. We've heard that saying before. So there, 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 there should be that fragrance. There should be that kind of aroma with us in our walk with Christ that that we're pleasant around people. And that should be important to us because it's important to God. You see, when you have revelation of why Christ came to earth, then you will understand why relationships with people are so important. Think about it. Jesus Christ came to this earth to pay for the sins of the world. He paid a debt we could never repay. I'm a wretched sinner. Even today, I'm a saint, but I'm still a wretched sinner. Like, I can't die for your sins. <laughs> my, my blood is dirty. <laughs> my blood is tainted. My blood is warped. <laughs> I, I have no saving grace in the blood in my body. Jesus Christ came 100% God, clothed in humanity. He's the only one who never sinned. He was the perfect sinless sacrifice. And this is foolishness to those who are perishing. They think it's foolish. What in the world? The God who created all the universe came to earth as a baby, grew up as a man and died on a crucifix and rose from the dead. That sounds like a fairy tale. But it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But he didn't come to just die. He didn't come to die for a financial debt. (laughs) 
He came to die and pay a debt that was a spiritual one. So since Father God sees people as extremely valuable, valuable enough to give his one and only son to die a horrible death, a death that no one else would ever be able to die. I mean, being flogged, having a crown of thorns on his head, being mocked, being scourged, being, being, being spit upon. You know, I was listening to the Audible Bible last night and, 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 and I was listening to Luke and it was talking about the account of what happened to Jesus. And, and, and I started to get very sad in my in my spirit. You know, it's like sometimes we hear it so much that we don't think or we, we know it. We're like, I know Jesus went to the cross and died. You see him on a crucifix or you see crosses everywhere and it, you don't really think nothing of it. Oh, I've been walking with the Lord, but it really hit me last night and, and, and I and, and I was weeping in my spirit because I just was thinking like, man, like that happened to him. He felt that when they pulled his beard, he felt that when they flogged him, they felt that when they scourged him. And, you know, with the I mean, I mean, they, the, the whip with the bones and the, and, the, and the animal teeth and it ripped open his back. He felt that when, when they when they when they nailed when they hammered the nails into his in, into his hands onto that wood beam, he felt that when 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 they when they nailed the nails through his ankles, he felt that when he was hanging there. Can you imagine what that would feel like to hang to have your body hanging on a wooden tree, sitting there? He felt that, but he did that because he felt. It's so important that you're that valuable to him. The whole point I'm trying to get at is that's how important relationships are to God. That he gave his only son for you, for me. Since he sees it as so valuable and important, we would be wise to see people the same way. (laughs) In your sphere of influence, in my sphere of influence, we should find it important to value people and the relationships we have with them. Amen. The Bible says that when the final temple is built before the end of the world, it is only going to be a shadow of what will be in heaven. Why is that? Because here on earth at best, physical things are only a representation of spiritual things that will last forever. So since we enter this world with nothing, we will leave it with nothing. It is best that we spend our time affecting change by how we serve people in the Lord. Not amassing as much material possessions as possible. I personally have a relative that passed a couple years back and and he owned much land. He owned a lot of land. He was wealthy. But at the end of his life, he would have given it all up to spend more time with his family. I mean, he had a lot of land. He owned land in Hawaii. He owned land here in California. But at the end of his life, he would have gave that all up to spend more time with his loved ones. And people would be like, I'll do anything to have land in Hawaii. Really? Because he didn't think that way before he died. He wished he would have spent more time with those he loved. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 4 says, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Basically meaning have enough wisdom, know when to quit. (laughs) Have enough sense to know, I need to stop. I need to stop spending so much time trying to accumulate and acquire so much money. If you have food in your belly, if you have clothes on your back, if you have a roof over your head, May not be the place you want to live, maybe an apartment, maybe a shelter, maybe a roommate somewhere. You're rich. (laughs) But again, perspective. Ask the Holy Spirit to change your perspective to see things as they really are, and then you'll truly have peace. All right, the third main point is this the one who refuses to give up their idol of riches will live a life spiritually blind, sick, and full of anger. Verse 17 points out the lifestyle of the person who refuses to make serving God their number one priority, but instead makes money their God. Verse 17 says, Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and in anger. 
This is something that no one in their right mind is looking forward to. Eating in darkness with much vexation, excuse me, and being having sickness overwhelm you and being angry all the time. Nobody looks forward to that. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to be like that. I just want to be, I just want to be mad. I just want to be in darkness. I want to be sick in my soul. Nobody wakes up like that. But the intoxication and temptation to become rich for some blinds them from the truth. You see, we are called to pursue the things of God that will give us true everlasting peace, joy, love, and happiness, not earthly riches that will eventually rot away. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 tells us, tells us, excuse me, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. But you see, this life is filled with all kind of spiritual booby traps of deception, ready to, de- to, to tempt and deceive you and I. There are so many distractions in this life. We must daily remain in close fellowship with Jesus Christ so that we can overcome the distractions of this life through his might. The Bible is clear. Sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to destroy you. Make no mistake about it, but you must overcome it. That's an individual thing. Sin is crouching at your door right now, and its desire is to overtake you. Are you going to let it overtake you, or are you going to fight back in the spirit? That is the question here this morning. Left unchecked, the love of money will destroy a person's soul. May they not be said of us today. All right, let's go ahead and look a little bit more in depth at these verses. So I'm going back to verse 13. It says, there's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by the owner to his hurt. Okay, again, Solomon starts off by talking about and telling us that this is a severe, grievous evil. So first off, we need to identify what grievous actually means. The definition of grievous means of something bad, very severe, or very serious. Then we need to understand the biblical definition of what evil is. Evil is what is opposed to God. It is the opposite of God. It is contrary to God. Evil does not exist as a separate entity except in its relationship to God, good or bad. So because God is real, evil exists. People say, well, if God's so good, how come all these evil things happen in the world? Blah, 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 blah. I've heard it a million times. Uh, Bad, evil things happen because we're fallen creatures and people don't want to repent and people are full of sin and people allow demonic activity to influence their lives. And so all kind of bad stuff happens. But evil does not exist outside of God existing. Remember, God is the creator of all things. Evil is a created thing. Evil is the reaction to being prideful towards God and saying, I will not humble myself. I will not bend a knee. I will not submit to the authority. I will do my own thing. I will be my own God. That's where you get evil. Understand that, and then you have a better understanding of, okay, now I get why it's so much treachery. And, you know, nobody picks up a gun in their own right mind and goes and shoots up a school or goes shoots up a, a supermarket because they're all good. No, bro. You're being, you're being influenced by evil demonic activity that led you to pick up the gun and shoot because you're not full of the Holy Spirit because you're letting demonic spirits influence you. That is the truth, whether you believe it or not. That's what the Bible says. Nobody in their right mind goes and rapes a little six-month-old little baby. It is crazy. Do you understand why we need the Holy Spirit? Do you understand why you need salvation? So you can walk upright in a perverse world? This is a perverse world we live in. This is a demonic, sick world we live in because of it's marred by sin. And in, in order to, to walk unscathed in this sickened world, you need the Holy Spirit. You really do. I really do. If I don't have the Holy Spirit every single day, if I don't ask the Holy Spirit, please empty me and myself and fill me fresh with your presence today, throughout the day asking him, I'm a goner. I'm not going to be good to my wife. I'm not going to be good to my kids. I'm not going to be good on my job. And if you think you're going to, you're already, you're already deceived. You're already caught up in the deception to think that you can be good apart from God. No, you can't. And it takes a humbling, but there's liberty in that because he gives you all that you need. He's like, man, I will give you all of myself. (laughs) 
I gave you all of myself because I allowed my son to go to the cross and die for you. So why would I withhold anything good from you? That's what the Bible says. If you evil men know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more is your heavenly father know what to give you? He knows what you need before you even ask. The question is faith. The question is, do I trust God enough to open up my, my mouth from my heart and speak? So in our very first line in our text, Solomon, as a spokesperson for the Lord, is telling us that hoarding riches is a very severe and grievous thing that is in direct opposition to God. Hoarding riches will eventually lead to the owner's own hurt. Hoarding riches is when we stockpile money only to never use it. By continuing to amass it, we deceive ourselves into thinking we are secure, yet we don't have the courage enough to enjoy it because we've become miserly with it. I told you I'm, a, I'm ashamed of it, <laughs> but you guys, I, I got all kind of I got all kind of basketball shoes in my closet. I got all kind of shoes I ain't never worn. <laughs> That's that same thing. It's a hoarder mentality. Somewhere down the line, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get these kicks. I'm gonna keep them, and I'll, I'll wear them one day. Wear them one day." Remember one time I had a brand new pair of kicks. I just gave it to to somebody who needed it because the Holy Spirit convicted me. Like, man, you got all these shoes, man. <laughs> You got all these shoes you ain't even wearing. But it's the same. But you see what I'm talking about? It can happen so easily to any of us. Maybe you're into fishing. Maybe you're into fly fishing. You got all these lures. You got all these fishing hooks. Bro, when's the last time you went fishing? Do you really need all that tack and that bait and all that? I don't even fish, but I'm just throwing it out there. Right? But you see what I'm saying? That's how it can go. So we need to guard against this kind of this kind of mentality and don't let it enter in because it's not of God. It's fleshly and it's worldly. This is what the scripture means when it says kept to the owner's own hurt. Again, the Bible is actually neutral towards riches. And the application is this. It is our attitude towards riches and money and the way in which that they are used whether uh, that, that, that means that it's either celebrated or condemned. First Timothy chapter six, again, uh, verse 17 through 19 says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, which means prideful or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. You see, doing the things of God, being led by the Holy Spirit, that's true life. When we're only living for the sensual things and the carnality of this world and the things that we can touch, see and taste, that's actually living in darkness. And so it's, we have to flip the script. <laughs> and that's a challenge, right? Because we're in these, we're, 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 we're in three dimensions. We're, we're living in this world where it's like, well, I, I'm immersed in my senses. But we need to overcome the senses through the spirit. So that way you can walk duly. That's what Christ did. That's what Christ did perfectly because he was God. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect, but we are to emulate Christ. That's what Paul said. Emulate me as I emulate Christ. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us so we can walk in that dual reality and not be governed by our senses. We talked about this last week. Many people, they're governed by their senses. They see somebody they like that looks good and they, 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 they mistake infatuation for love. Especially nowadays, it's getting cold. They want to shack up. They want to be with somebody. It lasts about two years. And then what happens? It fizzles out because it was never love. Love has more to do with I'm going to serve you even when I don't want to do it. Because it's love. Love is a verb. It's an action word, not sensuality, not not because they look good, not because they make me physically feel a certain way, not because I can stimulate my myself in such a way that I can be with that person. That's not love. That's lust. We need to understand the difference, church. And I'll tell you right now, for you singles in here, you better your first main focus better be is that man or woman, a godly person in Jesus Christ. (laughs) If you're going after somebody and they're not saved, do not be unequally yoked. Not a racial thing. Back in the day, it, wasn't, it had nothing to do with race. It had everything to do with spirituality. He said, don't get with them Canaanites, man. Don't mess with them people because they ain't no good. They worship in false gods. They will mess you up. Find yourself a believer. Go from there. That's just a side note. Take it for what it is. 
You see, the Bible actually instructs us with the wealth that we receive to actually enjoy it. Enjoy whatever your lot is in life. You got 5,000, 500, 50. (laughs) Enjoy it. Enjoy it. But we're also instructed to do good with it by sharing and helping others. This is the exact opposite of hoarding. By doing so, you are making an eternal investment, laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. We must remember we were created as eternal beings. And we need an eternal source to fulfill and sustain us. That source is Father God. That's Yahweh through his anointed son, Jesus the Messiah. That, that He's the only one who can fulfill you. He's the only one who can fulfill you. Your wife can't fulfill you. Your children can't fulfill you. Your great-great-grandchildren can't fulfill you. Your job can't fulfill you. This church can't fulfill you. Reading five chapters a day in the Bible can't fulfill you. I'm talking about legalism, thinking that it's all about a regiment. It's just Christ. It's just Father God. It's just having a personal communion and a personal relationship with him. Yes, do things come with it? Yes, you'll develop certain habits and all that. But it's not about that. That's what the Pharisees were about. Oh, we wash our hands like this. You know, we wash our hands to the raw. We can't eat anything. You know, nothing defiled can come into me. What does Jesus say? It's what comes out of a man that defiles him, not what you put in. You want to eat sushi, eat sushi. But it's what comes out of us that defiles us. When the innermost workings of our being are not right, that is what defiles you and I. Not what we put in. You do need to be wise about what you eat. I'm not saying go eat a whole dozen of whatever, what is it, Krispy Kremes, and then wonder why you got diabetes. I'm not saying do that. Be wise about it. But it's not what puts you put in that defiles you. It's, it's our innermost being. If it's not right with God, that's what defiles us. An example is this. Have you ever tried to complete a puzzle with different puzzle pieces from a different puzzle? Of course not. Hopefully, no. That absolutely makes no sense at all. Because every puzzle piece is specific to its own puzzle. Well, Jesus Christ is the missing puzzle piece to humanity. You can try and fit every other piece in the place where Jesus is supposed to sit on the throne of your heart. But they, none of them will ever fit. Because he's the only one that can fit perfectly like a hand in a glove. Once you sustain that relationship with Christ by humbling yourself and asking for forgiveness and asking him to be the savior and the Lord of your life, then your life begins to make sense. I didn't say it's going to look perfect. I didn't say it's not going to be painful. I didn't say it's not going to be My circumstances didn't change. I'm not selling you a bag of goods. I'm not saying your circumstances are going to change. What I'm saying is your eternal soul and your perspective on life will drastically change. And you'll begin to see life for what it really is. You may still be broke. You still may be in debt. You still may have a dysfunctional family. But you're saved. But you can love them. But you can show them Christ. But you could do graciously. You could deal graciously with the creditors. You don't have to stress off it because you know your heavenly daddy's going to take care of it at some point. You just need to be honorable to him and obey him and he's going to work it all out. That's much better than not having Christ. What do you have to rely on if you don't have Jesus? You go mad. I'll go mad if I didn't have Christ. Can you watch any news? And not go insane to see what they're reporting was going on in the world, not only abroad, but just here in our own community. I don't know how people are unsaved make that, but that's why people do drugs. That's why people smoke dope. That's why people do crack. That's why people watch pornography. That's why people gamble. That's why people do what they do, because there's no other way to cope. They're coping with the fact that they're living in insanity and they don't know how to get out. But who has the answer? We do, church. We do. You got the answer, man. That's why you got to go and touch somebody. You got to go and tell somebody. I used to say, I don't care about these, these, these seats being filled. Now, the Lord's changed my heart. I've been praying over every seat, praying that the Lord would bring more people. Because we need people to get saved. He needs people to get saved. We need to do our part. I don't want to get to heaven. He's like, man, bro, you done buried your talent, man. You didn't even do anything. That sucks. That's horrible. 
I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now come enter into my rest. That's all I need. I don't need no crown. The crown's going to go back down anyways to him. We're going to cast our crowns at the feet of Christ. I don't need no crown. I don't even want a crown. I just want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I did what I was supposed to do in my sphere of influence. That needs to be our heart, church. Because there's so many people that are dying by the minute out here. And they need a way of escape and they don't know. But Christ is that way. Psalm 107 verse 8 and 9 says, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Oh man, how, is, how that warms me up. You see that he says the hungry soul he fills with good things. The good things are him. The good things are love, peace, joy, happiness, contentment. The desire to want to serve. The desire to want to be a blessing. The desire to want to have intimate fellowship with him that can never be hindered by any demon or human. Anything could never take away that. That are the things, those are the things that he fills you with that are good. That goes back to living a peaceable, quiet life. You know, I like the 49ers. They're cool. But they don't fulfill me. Brock Purdy don't fulfill me. By the way, he's a Christian from what I hear. That's cool. Praise God. Hope he does his thing. But, but, but he don't satisfy the longing of my soul. Neither does Kyle Shanahan. They don't satisfy the longing of my soul. I'll watch the game. But it's Christ. <laughs> he fills the deeper innermost part of my being. He sustains me. He gives me purpose. And he gives me peace. Amen. All right. Verse 14. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. This continues to show us the foolishness of holding on to wealth in an ungenerous way. You see, wealth can disappear suddenly through misfortune. An example of this is, you remember the the Great Recession of 2007? It started in December of 2007 and it ended in June of 2009. It was the longest recession in, United, in the United States since World War II. Riches were suddenly and catastrophically lost when, uh, whether it was a foolish venture, gambling, a misguided uh, investment, and all of a sudden the circumstances went chaotic. You see, and out here in Silicon Valley, people were buying property like hotcakes. Buying. I mean, I had homies. I had friends that were like, they were youngsters buying property like bro you bone like that it's like dang okay i guess you got it like that and then all of out of nowhere the bottom just fell out ultimately solomon pointed out that we lose all wealth and death just look at history some people truly believe that they can literally take earthly riches with them when they die Solomon knew that despite the burial wishes and customs of the pharaohs, no one can take their wealth with them after death. This is a fact. King Tut, he was encased in more than $3 million worth of gold with over 700 different relics that were placed with him to go with him into the afterlife. Some still believe that they will be able to take their wealth with them when they die. You see, he's been gone for I don't know how many thousands of years, but all that stuff is still there. It didn't go with him. And I'm not making fun of him. I'm just saying the child king thought that, man, I'm going to have all this gold. I got all this stuff. I got all this stuff. And it's all going to go with me. Homie, your soul went to where it went and all that stuff is still here. It didn't translate. It didn't go nowhere. They got a billion dollar insurance policy on all that stuff over there. In the Valley of the Kings over there in in northern Africa. Look it up. It's all still there. The application is this. Every possession we have is or will eventually pass through our hands. We are merely stewards of it for a time being. Whatever you own, you're just a steward of it. Parents, you're just a steward of your children. You don't own your children. You're just stewarding them. It is mentioned that there is nothing for the son because he is the heir that gains no benefit from the hoarding. So there is nothing to support the son. During a word study, you'll learn that the word 
Translated support is yad, which literally means hand and expresses power and guidance. So it seems that this may be saying that the missing support from the father is guidance in showing the son how to be a good steward. See, because the father was a hoarder and he was so stuck on money, he didn't teach his son right. So the son couldn't learn right because the father didn't teach him. The father was stuck doing what he was doing and wasn't in alignment with the truth. And so the son suffers. You see, hoarding is the opposite of, of stewardship. It is a claim that this is mine, while stewardship is a recognition that we are only caretakers for a time being. It makes sense that someone who claims this is mine would pay no attention to mentoring their heir because all they care about is themselves. They don't care about who's coming after them. A good leader is somebody who's going to prepare those who are coming after them. A good parent is someone who's going to prepare their children coming up after them, not someone who's merely just looking for their own interests. Mentoring an an heir requires admitting that I won't always have my possessions and I'm going to have to pass it off to you. All right, the next verse, verse 15, it says, As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This verse speaks of the true perspective of material possessions and the futility of hoarding. We all came naked into this world from the womb, right? Nobody came. That's why they say birthday suit, right? I mean, a birthday suit. I mean, you were naked, man. And you're going to leave here naked with nothing in your hands. Naked shall you leave. Job chapter 1 verse 21 says, And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That needs to be our attitude, church. And whatever goes on, I, you know, that, that's been my, I mean, I'm getting over a cold right now. And, you know, it, you know, my wife's like, man, men, when they get sick, they're going through it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the worst thing ever. But I was finding myself in the middle of the week. I'm like, man, I praise you, Lord. Not for me being sick, but praise you because you're God. Praise you because I know you're going to get me through this. Praise you because you've been good to me all before. Whenever you're down and out. You need to think back. You need to look back on those remembrance stones in your walk with Christ and remember all the good he has done and praise him regardless. Amen. Amen. That's what we should be doing. First Timothy chapter six, verse uh, six and seven says, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of it. It's very important to point out that one, the father tries to guard his hoarding riches He can't take it with them. The second thing to point out is the son comes into the world with nothing and is not helped by the bad investment of his father. Both experience the same fate. Neither gain benefit from the wealth and both will leave it behind. You see, so it was like a double whammy. They both got mixed up in this and it was because the father was not being wise with what he was spending his time with. The application is this. The bottom line is our sin affects other people. How we live affects others. You see, me and you, church, we don't live in a vacuum. The choices we make daily affect those around us from how we drive to our example in the scripture today of how the father invested poorly, not having the means to support his son. How we live affects other people. Even secret sins, even secret sins. And I'll use this, like watching pornography. Some will say, I'm not hurting anybody. It's just my my personal thing that I do. But do you see, people fail to realize that exposing themselves to such vile material desensitizes them to how they see men and women. So all of everything we do, even what we do in private, it affects other people for either negative or for good. So if you're doing good in private, that's affecting other people. You should have an aura about you when you step in the room There is the presence of the Lord with you and the room lights up. I talked about this before. I talked about how, you know, I've been I've been on my job and, you know, somebody's cussing around me and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, I'm not tripping. Why are you sorry? Because the Holy Spirit presence in me is convicting that person. I didn't say stop cussing. They just they just knew. 
That's how it should be with us, church. There should be an aroma about you in a positive way that comes upon whatever environment you come in because you're walking with the Holy Spirit. You're bringing Christ with you. Amen. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 through 13 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Don't allow your life to be a stumbling block to others. Rather, have your life be a blessing to them. And that, that's, that, that's just undergirding and supporting the whole point of our, 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 what we do affects other people. Be a blessing, not a curse. Amen? Amen. All right. We got two more verses. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up soon. This, again, is a grievous evil. Just as he came in, so, he, so shall he go. And what gain is it for what is what gain is it there to him who toils for the wind? You see, the reason why this is stated again and again is because the Lord understands that many people don't realize that it's actually true. They don't they don't realize it. They, they, they think they're going to take it with them. So they don't they, they don't they, they bypass this. So many people spend their lives chasing after wealth, chasing after fame. Oh, I want to be famous. I want to be seen. I want to be known. I got to have viewers. I want to be the next so and so. I mean, it is what it is. If the Lord wants you to be that person, he's going to make you that person. If it's not, man, just be quiet and be humble, man. Quit trying to be a superstar. Quit trying to be the next American Idol. You know, I mean, it, it ain't for everybody. It ain't for any, everybody. Only to come to the end of their lives wondering what happened to all their time. You see, a life built around accumulating treasure is futile. This is true for everyone. Every single person has to leave all their treasure behind. This is a brutal reality for the hoarder. This is why the hoarder toils after the wind. The application is this. True fulfillment comes through faith rather than accumulation. You can't take your wealth with you when you die, but you can send it on ahead by generously giving to God's work. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 through 21 tells us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See? So it's right there. Invest in the things of God and and, and you'll be so blessed. You'll store up treasures for yourself in heaven which is really important. This is what it's all about is to be a Christian. Don't let the things of this world distract you from the things of Jesus Christ. Have you ever, this is an example, have you ever read the book Pilgrim's Progress? Then you can visualize this illustration. Christian has to travel his way through various circumstances to his destination, the celestial city where he will find redemption. We're on a journey through this life, church, whether you understand it or not, whether you believe it or not, your life is a journey. And just like Christian, there are many pitfalls and booby traps set up by the enemy of our soul, Satan. The pitfalls and temptations we must sidestep are found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. And it says, For all this is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is not from the Father, but it is from the world. The other side of this is the very next verse we are told what we are to focus our attention on to live a successful life here on earth. John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 17 tells us, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. See? So it's doing the will of God. It's, what, did, what did Jesus say? He said, pray like this. Thou Father that are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do we pray like that? I'm not saying verbatim, but are we praying, Lord, let your will be done in this venture. I have this idea. I have this desire, but let your will be done. Oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z this weekend. I want to go here and do this and that, but let your will be done. Or are we just bent on what I want, what I want, what I want? You see, if you allow your heart to be moved to where you're asking for the Lord's will to be done, you're never going to be out of place. You're, every, you're always going to be in the right place at every circumstance all throughout your life. Because you're going by the Lord's will and not your own. All right, last verse. And Michelle and Isaiah can come up because I'm going to wrap it up in, in a minute or two right here. But the last verse says, Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, much vexation and sickness and in anger. You see, the one who chooses to stiffen his neck and continue to hoard wealth 
does not have a promising future. The Bible talks about that. Don't kick against the goads. You know, a goad was a sharp thing that would prick the animal because the, the animal was stubborn and it didn't want to move because they had to plow to plant the seeds. Don't, don't kick against the goads. Don't, don't make your Achilles all bloody. You know, how, how, how bloody do you want the back of your legs? Stop kicking against the goads. Go with the Lord. Scripture says, all their days they will eat in darkness, sickness, and in anger. Now, we need to think about this for a minute. These individuals are very wealthy. They got buku bucks. So I'm sure that the lights are on. So we're not talking about physical light. And they have no problem paying bills because, again, they got much money. And even if they were sick, they, have, they, they could afford the best health care that money can buy. They, they go to Stanford to, to, to get dealt with. But you see, the eyes of their hearts are blinded by the sin of greed. So because of that blindness, they will eat in darkness, spiritual darkness. Their souls are darkened. The eyes of their hearts do not see clearly. They do not understand the true things of God. They are living in sensuality. They do not see clearly the the, the things of God. Hoarding wealth leads to spiritual blindness, leading to eating in darkness, which leads to vexation, which leads to sickness, both spiritually and physically, which leads to anger. John chapter 8 verse 12 tells us again Jesus spoke to them saying I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life the application is this church spiritual blindness is due to a hard heart in order to be able to truly walk in the light and be freed from spiritual blindness we must recognize Jesus Christ in our hearts and begin to live a life of obedience to him. When we do this, we will see clearly the matters of life and be able to choose wisely. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, that, that, that's the cry of our hearts, that we would just know you, that we would just be at peace with you, that you would look upon us and smile upon us. Lord, may you bless us and keep us. Lord, may your face shine upon us. Father, may you be gracious to you, to us. May you lift us up with your countenance. And Father God, may you give us your peace. It's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray. Amen.